Welcome everyone to the Pantheon. I'm your host, Ray. Police are calling it one of the largest cash heists ever. 17 million missing. Authorities are now searching for this man. Look at him. Look like Kenny Rogers and Kenny Loggins had a love child. And then Kenny G, he just showed up to the birthday party, started playing the flute, and messed this boy up. The movie is Mastermind. It was directed by Jared Hess. Uh, the name may not sound too familiar to you, but he's the director behind Napoleon Dynamite and Nacho Libre. And that's important because it's the kind of vibe of this film. These are kind of a quirky, slow-burning kind of films. The screenplay was written by three uh, individuals. Uh, the first two was Hubble Palmer and Chris Bowman. They worked with the director in the past. Uh, they were the writers for the Napoleon Dynamite cartoon or animated series, as well as being the screenplay writers uh, for the feature film called Middle School, The Worst Years, which debuted just before the release of Masterminds. And like that, it was sort of panned as well. Uh, the, the third screenwriter, which is important in this case, is Emily Spivey, who is a producer and writer for Saturday Night Live. And that's important because almost 80% of the principal cast are alumni members of that long-running TV series. So, speaking of the cast, you have Zach Galifianakis, followed by three of the four stars from Ghostbusters. That's Kate McKinnon, Leslie Jones, and Kristen Wiig, all SNL alums, as well as uh, Owen Wilson and Jason Sudeikis. But this one was interesting because of the story. It was twofold. The first one was that it's based, it's a comedy based on an actual true event. The robbery, uh, or in this case, I would say the Luma's Fargo robbery that was successful, and it was the second largest robbery on U.S. soil in history. I found that to be extremely fascinating. The second part was the story of what it took for this film to make it to the big screen. So before I jump into that, let's get into some of the basics. Uh, the film has a runtime of, of about 95 minutes, and it's been given a rating of PG-13 for crude and sexual humor, some language, and violence. It, to get into this film, I'm going to relate actual facts with what happens in the movie as well, because they do line up pretty well. The movie takes place, or the, or the actual crime takes place in Charlotte, North Carolina, and the actual crime was committed on October 4th, 1997. Now, Zach Galifianakis plays David Gant, an actual person who this movie is based on. He's a guard uh, for Louis Fargo, uh, which is an armored car security company service. Now, at the time, his married girlfriend, not to him, named Kelly, convinced him to rob Louis Fargo, along with co-conspirators Steve and Michelle Chambers, the uh, husband and wife, and five other co-conspirators. Now, they made off with a total of $17.3 million. Um, an interesting fact of this one, too, uh, which, for those who are not going to see this movie, I'm going to give this a, a, a little bit away, that about 88% of, of, the, of the money was recovered from the robbery. Uh, and, that's, and that actually is kind of theorized in this film. So it ha that has some kind of uh, hints uh, what's going on. And David Gant, the character that Zach Galifianakis plays, actually plays is a small role in this film and is a consultant uh, for for the actual script in the making of this film. So uh, a lot of the characters in this movie, like Kelly and David, they've actually their time in prison and they've gone out. That, though I'm telling you this, the title of the, of the movie, Mastermind, is kind of an oxymoron. Everything, almost everything they did was so outrageously unthought out carefully enough, but somehow was able to be plausible to pull off. Um, these people were 
I would say maybe high school graduate education level uh, individuals, common sense and intelligence, you can say are two different things. And when watching this film, you do shake your head in terms of what they actually did to pull off what they did and get trying to escape the country. It's just mind boggling to see that customs and authorities really dropped the ball on this guy. And he's able to just literally walk into uh, South America with what he had. Now, the budget for this movie was $25 million. It's overall ticket sales, that includes foreign as well as domestic, came to $29.1 million. So the movie did eventually made its money back. Um, but it did have a really poor opening day weekend. It debuted in sixth place and opening up with only six point one million dollars uh so it, it truly did underperform after a six-week run it just barely uh, broke even uh in the box office now the story behind its i guess higher production cost is so it's not so much the actual making of it and paying the actors it was just the distribution of it being promoted and brought back out and the film started production in july on july 7th 2014 uh, it was supposed to be released the following year on August 15th, 2015. Uh, at the time, Relativity Media was experiencing some kind of financial problems, so it got pushed back to October in just a couple of months later. Now, one week before its initial release, Relativity, it could be a week, it could be two weeks, I could be wrong, but it's, I remember distinctly it was very, very close to its release, that Relativity Media filed Chapter 11 and was declared bankrupt and was unable to uh, continue the distribution or the, the release of the film. And all production, they had about several productions, uh, both ready to be released or in production, and that was all on, on hold indefinitely. It wasn't until September, Mastermind was one of the first two films to be released, and it did modestly well. Peter Travers from Rolling Stone magazine, he gave Masterminds a one and a half stars out of four, uh, saying that the comedy notes was few and far between, whereas other critics, bloggers, and reviewers gave it a three out of four, saying that it is different and uh, it wasn't as funny as they would like it to be. It was a refreshing comedy, something that was new, something that was different, it didn't follow the, the, the mold of traditional uh, comedy writing or the hitting the notes of a comedy themed film and uh, that was that was the case too because it is life imitating art and it was a film that was uh, kind of different and, and had its own little nuances uh, now personally I want to give this movie uh, two out of uh, five stars uh, it is it has its humor. It is funny. I was baffled because I'm trying to, as I'm watching, I'm wondering, like, why is this called a Mastermind? And seeing how preposterous these characters really are and, and how the comedy just came from that, from the situation. Um, it does work. It was a very slow burn. It can be easily dismissed uh, by the casual fan, and, and, it, and it had, so which was an unfortunate um, set of circumstances. But it's the absurdity, to what extent it was portrayed to be, um, makes the film worth watching. So next up is another feature film that stars Zach Galifianakis and that Keeping Up with the Joneses. It debuted on October 21st. Like Masterminds, it didn't really do that well in the box office. It opened up in seventh place with five and a half million dollars uh, the box office. Worldwide, it made uh, 29 million dollars with a budget of 40 million dollars. So 
unlike Mastermind, it was a commercial uh, failure uh, in terms of its success. It did not do well. Um, it barely made its money in its video sales and DVD and Blu-ray and VOD. So, But in terms of the box office, both foreign and domestic, uh, it did very, very poorly. It has a runtime of an hour and 41 minutes. Uh, it's rated PG-13. It's directed by Greg Matola, who hasn't directed a film in five years. His last film was Palm, the alien movie with uh, Simon Pegg. But he's known for doing movies like Superbad and Adventureland, which starred Jesse Eisenberg and Kristen Stewart. And the screenplay is by Michael Lucier. I hope I pronounced his name right. He hasn't written a screenplay for a film in seven years. His last film was uh, uh, a caper as well. It was called The Maiden Heist, where three security guards plan a uh, art gallery robbery uh, in their own company. So there is some undertones of similarity between, but again, different director, different movie, different screenwriters. It's just coincidence. But I found that kind of interesting. Okay, so they're gamers. Let's go. Stacy Chunk, isn't she out with the Joneses? Yeah. Ted Wallace, he, he works with you, right? Yeah, maybe it's some kind of social media thing. Demir Mustafa? There's Dan. Sanjay? Wow. Oh, God, they're targeting the FBI. They're some kind of missile. These are all the people he was asking me about. Oh my god, I told him everything. Oh god, we gotta go. Switch on the computer, honey. We gotta get out of here. Now, the film only scored 19% by critics on Rotten Tomatoes. The audience is not even worth talking to, it's relatively the same kind of scoring. But the cast is worth mentioning. It stars Zach Galifianakis and Isla Fisher as the Gaffneys, a couple living in suburban, I guess, upstate New York. And their lives are interrupted of the arrivals of the Joneses. These beautiful, attractive, well-accomplished people. Tim and Natalie, played by John Hamm and Gail Godot. And the Gaffneys, uh, their lives are now thrust into this world of espionage when it's revealed that the Joneses are more than what they appear. This movie really is a situation comedy. The movie that made the number one spot that opening day weekend and debuted was Boo of Medea's Halloween. Just keep an eye on Tiffany. No, son, no, I can't come over there. It's Halloween night. You know I like to go nowhere on Halloween. I'll pay you. I'm on my way. I'll be there now. How you doing, baby? Good to see you. I'm glad you're here to help me with her because there's a party around the corner and I want to be sure she doesn't try to sneak out. This is going to be so wild. These children today, you got to drop the hammer on them. What's the worst that can happen to her? Turn to prostitution, drugs? Hell, how you think I met your mama? You shouldn't be here. Mr. Wilson died in this house on Halloween. He killed his entire family. What the hell is this? After 10, the ghosts come out. Strange things start happening. What the hell? What is it? You see something scary? It's white people. You see white people. As I mentioned prior, uh, Keeping Up with the Joneses debuted on October 21st in seventh spot. So the movie that opened up that weekend as well and took to the box office was Boo of Medea's Halloween. And it was the one movie that actually shocked analysts because it far exceeded anyone's expectation. It, it maintained a top box office spot for two weeks straight. Um, it also opened up against Jack Reacher, Never Go Back, which was Tom Cruise's film. It opened up in second place. And then on the Halloween weekend, which is what it really was geared for, it went up against Tom Hanks' his movie, 
Inferno, based on the Dan Brown's best-selling novel, and that uh, debuted in second spot. So it, essentially, it put both Tom and Tom in the corner. Uh, so Medea broke everyone's expectations, even the writer, director, star, and editor, and producer, Tyler Perry. Uh, this is T- Tyler Perry's ninth uh, timeout or rendition of, of the Medea character, and this is probably... Uh, in terms of in box office success, his greatest accomplishment so far. Uh, the Tyler Perry movies usually crack into the top ten. Rarely does it make the top five. It uh, it does pretty good in terms of DVD and video on demand sales, uh, but it doesn't really hold the top top echelon of films. This, in fact, is Tyler Perry's first film as number one let alone two weeks in a row. So when that's the director himself, he was quite shocked of the result, it, how it debuted, and how it was able to sustain itself for two straight weeks. So no one was more shocked than him. It made $79 million worldwide altogether with a modest budget of about $20 million of budget. Uh, it surpassed everyone's expectations and projections. Boo and Medea's Halloween it has a runtime of an hour and 43 minutes. It was rated PG-13 for some drug use suggestive content and some horror images due to the nature of the material just to quickly summarize the film medea has been entrusted to keep an eye on a mischievous teenager as medea fending off killer clowns paranormal poltergeists ghosts ghouls and zombies in now critics gave it 21 percent on Rotten tomatoes but the audiences loved it and they came back as evidence in its success now personally myself i'm not a huge tyler perry fan and this really is my official first time out watching the entire film from beginning to end that is tyler perry Uh, i have family and friends who are huge fans of his and they enjoy his work i don't find myself sharing in that thinking but i did enjoy this movie the writing in itself isn't as spectacular as i would have liked it to be but in terms of being a send-up to abbott and costello and some classic uh, comedies that dealt with this type of genre of uh, horror comedy uh, it did pretty well and it kept it pretty original and pretty uh pretty fresh in terms of storytelling and making it current events in terms of these side stories and perry uh, should be commended for his work for what it was and it's a halloween theme it's fairly decent i wouldn't recommend it unless you were a tyler perry fan i put it to you like that uh but as a critic watching it i didn't mind it that much it was relatively palatable so there you go now our next film has a nomination for an oscar and that is for best song and that's the movie trolls starring justin timberlake and anna kendrick as branch and poppy it is a comedy animation from dreamworks it debuted against dr strange and held the second spot in the same duration of Doctor Strange for two straight weeks before dropping to number five. Uh, it was, for, for an animated movie, it was a pretty solid movie and surprisingly good film because I came into this film not really wanting to watch this film. And from the moment, three minutes into this film, I was actually, I could say this with in all honesty, was hooked and intrigued. And this is the kind of film where you have a character who is very, very happy, happy, and the person who is you can't be this happy it's just not normal and being a debbie downer if you will and in this film being an adult uh sitting with all these kids i can understand how there would be some sort of negative uh vibe going into this movie and in fact it's such a smart and and um hint hint wink wink say no more say no more uh to an adult audience's appeal that it it was a very very good film and it's a movie that i'd highly recommend to both parents as well as children big 
loud, crazy. You're just going to lead the Bergens right to us. Are you sure you want to invite this party pooper to poop on your party? Yes, I think everyone deserves to be happy. I don't do happy. Branch, I know you have happiness inside you. You just need our help to find it. Hello, Branch, Rita from the Bergen. What do you say, Branch? Oh my God! I wouldn't be caught dead at your party, but you will be caught and dead. The film opened up with $46 million at the box office. It has a budget of a whopping $125 million. But the film was so good that it made its money back. Worldwide, it made over $300 million in worldwide ticket sales. It's been rated PG-13 and a runtime of an hour and 34 minutes. And it's from DreamWorks, which is not a Disney film. It's a lot of heart and really smart storytelling. And uh, it's about two... Truly opposite people, Branch and Poppy, who are now doing an almost impossible mission, saving their people from a certain death and are traveling beyond what they've known to call home and into the unknown. With an incredible all-star cast, you have Zoe Deschanel, Christine Baranski, Russell Brand, James Corden, Gwen Stefani, just an amazing cast of people uh, who produced a great deal of work and and the effort really does show and shine. A true surprise uh, sleeper hit. I came into this movie thinking very, thinking dark thoughts, like just did not want to see this. I really didn't want to see this happy, happy, joy, joy, Teletubby wannabe troll characters. And I came out of this like within minutes just caught up into it and liking this movie and it, it's worth checking out even for kids and it's geared to uh, a you know it's, and it is geared to adults on a certain level too so there's something in it for everyone and um it's uh it, i give this movie i would i would give this movie three and a half out of five stars it was worth checking out especially if you have a family the tones are not that harsh uh but there are some themes so i would say viewers discretion is advised but Overall, I was pleasantly, pleasantly surprised, and it wasn't what I would expect to get for a movie. And Timberlake does a phenomenal job, and the musical numbers are pretty spot on. So, thumbs up uh, on this film. And our final film is Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. It debuted in number one for one week only. It's the prequel, if you will, to the Harry Potter franchise and movies. You've known for 24 hours that an unregistered wizard set magical beasts loose in New York? Yes. Where is this man? So, you're the guy with the case full of monsters, huh? Hey, Mr. English guy, I think your egg is hatching. You wiped his memory, right? The no magic. The what? No magic. The non-wizard. Sorry, we call them muggles. Something is stalking our city. Wreaking destruction. And then disappearing without a trace. Witches live among us. We've lived in the shadows for too long. Danger. He senses danger. It stars Eddie Redmayne, Catherine Watterson, and Dan Fogel, uh, Colin Farrell, Ezra Miller, John Voight, Carmen Jogo. It's a really big cast. Too much they really get into. But it's directed by David Yates, who did the last four Harry Potter movies, as well as uh, The Legends of Tarzan. And he commissioned the author, J.K. Rowling, to write the screenplay for this movie. So you know uh, it's going to uh, 
set up perfectly to the story. Now, for those who don't know, uh, and I didn't know myself, to be perfectly honest, until after the fact, that Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them is actually a five-part series. And this movie is a prequel to the actual Harry Potter story. And in fact, it's the textbook that Harry Potter carries around him in, in Hogwarts when he goes to class. And this movie follows the exploits of the author before he actually broke the text. And that's played by Eddie Redmayne, whose character is Newt Scamander, who is a magic zoologist. I, I guess I hope I say this. He is the future author of the Guide of Magical Creature Books, which becomes the book called Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. So uh, this movie takes place in New York City in 1926. So it's across the ocean from London where Paddington Station leads to Hogwarts. Now the movie does make reference to Hogwarts, so it does tell the audience that it's in the realm of the Harry Potter movies. And again, it's a prequel to the Harry Potter, so this, so the Harry Potter universe as we know it in the events hasn't transpired yet and fantastic beasts and where to find them is planned to be a five-part series and so this movie is just setting up the building blocks to the movie so it sets up very slowly what to expect in the future installments should it go down that route i mean no at this point now there's no talks of a sequel or another film but it does lay the groundwork uh for a up-and-coming movie should they go there now, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. It's a pretty straightforward plot. Newt Scamander, played by Eddie Redmayne, he arrives to New York City. He has an altercation where his briefcase, which carries all these crazy, wonderful, uh, magical beasts, uh, it gets switched with a factory worker slash baker at the bank. And it's a race against time to try and reclaim the case and, and stop the creatures from escaping and wreaking havoc in New York City. And it's sort of like, to give this kind of a, a, a reference for those who haven't really watched Harry Potter movies, uh, and to give this kind of a contemporary re- a reference, I'm going to say this movie really is uh, Pokemon Go meets Men in Black, because it's a story where Scamander and his compadres which is the baker played by paul fogo and the um this the i guess uh detective for magic uh played by Catherine watterson uh go around new york city trying to collect all these not say pokemon but all the creatures that escaped his uh, suitcase also within the same period of time ensure that the people of new york city are unaware that these creatures and magic exist so that's where the Men in Black section goes into. But in terms of what this, what the visual expectations was, it was met. Um, it's a visual spectacle, a cornucopia for the eyes, and and that's where the that's where it begins and ends. I, I will give full credits to Ezra Miller, who's in this movie, an outstanding performance. And that will end our podcast. It's kind of short. I will be back next in a few days with another bunch of films. Look at it. Look like Kenny Rogers and Kenny Loggins had a love child. And then Kenny G, he just showed up to the birthday party, started playing the flute, and messed this boy up.